he'd come through to our room and he could barely talk and, you know, he's pretty sad and sorry for himself. So I was like, oh, you know. Well, st- first he said, I don't think I can go to school today. My teacher said, if I'm sick, I shouldn't come to school. <laughs> I was like, yeah, how sick are you? <laughs> so turns out he was quite sick. Um, so I kept him home and, you know, you want to... You know, you have these moments where you want to nurture, you know, you're like, oh, come on, let's have a special cuddle on the couch, you know, let me love on you and stuff. And so we're sitting there, I'm like, you want me to read your story? He's like, no, I just want to cuddle and stuff. So giving him a cuddle. Then he goes and coughs or sneezes or something. And you know that moment when it just sprays all over you and you're like, oh, you've just ruined this moment. (laughs) And you just feel the droplets hit you and you, you know in that moment, that's it, you're done, you're infected, so... That was great. Ruined that perfect moment. So my voice is a bit funny, so I apologise for that. You can blame Caleb. He infected me. Kids, hey? It's good fun. All right, so we're doing this series on life, money and hope. And uh, just recapping on what we've done so far. And Pastor Ewan started us off um, talking about beyond the numbers, seeing money from God's perspective. Um, I actually missed that one, but I'm sure it was great. <laughs> But I did catch Tabs last week who was talking about dark times and Jesus as the way out. And she just preached an amazing message, didn't you? Anybody agree? Amazing message. Thought it was great. Jesus is the only answer, yeah? And today I'm going to focus on intentional generosity. And you could say that Caleb was intentionally generous to me by sharing his germs. He wanted me to experience what he was experiencing. And next week... um, Pastor Ewan's going to finish off with the principle of first, first and talking about our miracle offering and going to have an opportunity to give into that. So that's exciting, isn't it? All right. So today, we're going to be fleshing out how God wants us to use our minds and our brains when it comes to giving and not to be led by our emotions or our feelings. You know, we live in a time where emotional intelligence, our EQ, is talked about all the time. Like, we're bombarded with that all the time. And I don't know about you guys, but I follow stuff on Facebook and I feel like I'm bombarded every day with how I can be more uh, emotionally intelligent, how I can improve those skills in my life. And sometimes it gets a bit much. Um, But it is an important issue in our lives and it is something that is important. um, But it's not everything, yeah? Yeah. You know, we need to be aware of our emotions. We need to be aware of our feelings, but they shouldn't rule our decisions and they shouldn't rule our lives. You know, schools are teaching, like it's a core subject in schools now where they teach social-emotional learning. You know, we're just completely bombarded like never before. I remember growing up never hearing about these sort of things, never really knowing that much about it. But, you know, in today's society, we're really saturated by it. And don't get me wrong, I believe really strongly in that. It's something that I do as part of my work is um, really focus on that. However, it shouldn't be the dominating factor in our decisions that we make in life. And we shouldn't, shouldn't be purely focusing on how we feel about things, and particularly when it comes to being generous and giving. So I wanted to give you a little example of that. <laughs> All the married people will find this really funny. Um, if I base my marriage purely on how I felt <laughs> about Brad from moment to moment, he's not here, but I did tell him I was, so it's all right. Um, I always pre-warn him. Um, you know, if I base my marriage on how I felt about him from time to time, I can guarantee you we would not be married because 
that man infuriates me at times. <laughs> you know, who, who did a pre-marriage course? Uh, we did this pre-marriage course, and it's quite funny when you do pre-marriage course because, you know, you do all these questionnaires and stuff. You know, what, what are you expecting in marriage and that? Well, I was straight up. I'm a bit of a clean freak. I like a clean house, you know. I like things tidy. I like order. I like structure. Brad's like, yeah, I'm the same. I love... <laughs> I like things tidy. <laughs> he lied. Because, <laughs> you know, not long into our marriage, we discovered our idea of what clean and tidy are are polar opposites apart, you know. And he would call me OCD and I'm like, no, 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 this is normal. This is... I won't say what I say to him. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, worlds apart. And uh, he has this developed this other thing that... Uh, I don't know if anybody else experienced. Is anybody offended by loud chewing? <laughs> we, it's so offensive, hey. We have a family dinner pretty much every night. It's become a little bit of an interesting thing with Chloe because you're trying to hold her sometimes and have this family meal. But it's really important to us that we sit down and have a meal. And I'm forever like, seriously, do you have to chew so loud? Like, it's just so offensive. And he's like, what, shall I stop breathing? <laughs> Well, sometimes that might be good. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, you know, if I based our marriage on purely how I'm feeling, gosh, that changes constantly because the man enrages me from time to time and I like to express that to him. But, you know, I base our marriage on the fact that, you know, eight years ago I made a commitment to him, I made a covenant with him, it was a well-thought-out process, you know, I prayed about it, I uh, spoke to some godly people in my life and, you know, obviously we dated for a while and I made a well-thought-out decision to marry this man. And, you know, eight years on, we're honouring that commitment. Some days I really don't want to. Thankfully, he's extremely handsome, so that <laughs> keeps, him, keeps him on the good side. <laughs> so what I'm saying is feelings and emotions, just they change so frequently. And while they're important, they really can't be controlling our decisions in lives, Yeah. You know, one of the most important things or helpful things that you can say to somebody who is going through an anxiety attack is, this won't last forever. This, these feelings won't last forever. Because it's true, they won't last forever. All right, do you remember about, I think a month ago, um, when we had that lady from Compassion come, what's her name, Jessica? Jessica from Compassion come and she talked about how in Australia, I'm pretty sure confident she said that we were in the top 1% of wealth in the world, yeah? Does that sound right? So in Australia, we're in the top 1% of wealth in the world. And, you know, I think about that and it quite shocked me because I knew in Australia we're quite wealthy, but I wouldn't have thought we were right at the top because you look around, and in particularly in WA, you look around and there's almost a recession going on and, um, you know, people are in financial hardships. People are finding it tough. Um, we still have homelessness in WA. You know, families are struggling. But, and there's plenty of low-income earners in WA as well. But the reality is, is that the majority of Australians are middle-class, yeah? So middle-class earners. And um, in comparison to other parts of the world, we are very wealthy. You know, and I visited... Um, places around the world. I've been to India a few times and I've been to Africa and the poverty there is really in your face and you really can see when you see those countries that we are really wealthy and we're very fortunate. Um, 
you know, you turn on the news and you're bombarded with um, countries that are war ravaged or poverty and you kind of go, yeah, we are really wealthy in WA, in Australia. We're really uh, lucky to be born into this. Because I often think about that and I think, what makes those people any different to me? Like, I quite easily could have been born into a war-ravaged country. I quite easily could have been born into a country like India or Africa and, and be poverty-stricken. But for whatever reason, God chose to bring me or let me be born in Australia. And uh, what a great opportunity that is. And that's not something that I think, you know, we need to feel guilty about. It's something that we should celebrate. You know, we are fortunate. We are blessed here. And with that blessing comes some responsibility as well. Because we do have a wealthy country. We do have disposable income. We do have access to so much that so many don't come, don't have. So it's not about being guilty or not about feeling bad for those people. It's about going, oh, wow, what an amazing opportunity I've got in life to, to have what I have and to be a blessing to others. So we should enjoy what we've got. Be grateful for it and, uh, and enjoy the freedoms and the wealth and choose to be a blessing with that, yeah? And God will create opportunities. That's the one thing I've learned being Christian is that God will create opportunities for you to be a blessing to other people. You know, because in God's economy, it's not about accumulating wealth and storing up as much as you can, but it's about distributing that wealth and that blessing that God has given you. You know, God's economy, it's about money coming in so money can go out. The other thing with God and money, I find, is that it's never about what you can give. It's never about the money that you have. It's always about your heart. Yeah? It's always about your heart attitude with God when it comes to money. You know, God is not poor and in need of our money. You know, I love this verse, um, Psalm 59 to 10 says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. God has everything in the world. You know, and this is Old Testament, and so their economy, essentially, their sacrifices were animals. But God's economy, he has everything. Everything is at his disposal. So he doesn't actually need our money. He will use it. He will give us opportunity. But he doesn't actually need our money. But he's interested in our heart. He's in interested in are we willing to give? Do we want to give? You know, you could give a million dollars begrudgingly or you could give a dollar happily, joyfully, and the dollar will always be more important to God because it's about the heart in which you give it. So if you sow a million dollars, you might be like, oh, I gave a million dollars, aren't I a fantastic person? And on the inside, you're like, oh, I could have bought new yachts. What do you do with a million dollars? I don't have a million dollars, so I don't know. Could have bought a bigger house. Or you could give that small amount and just be like, oh, this is so great that I can give this. That's awesome. And God's going to love that every time. All right, let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 9 to 6. It's going to be on the screen for us. But 2 Corinthians 9 to 6, if you're looking it up, <coughs> says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's a great scripture, hey? And I think we can pull out of this scripture some really important God economy principles that we can apply to our lives. So if you look at word verse 6, it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You know, I want to take you to another verse, um, Proverbs 11, 24, 25, from the Message Version. I love this. It says, the world, of a generous person, the world of a generous gets larger and larger, and the world of a stingy person gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. So the world of a, la- uh, world of a generous person gets larger and larger, but the world of a stingy person gets smaller and smaller. That's a pretty amazing little principle there. You know, I think that applies to other aspects than money as well. I think it applies to your time, every aspect of your life, where you're generous, where you're willing to give out of a joyful heart. If you look at verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And this is really saying, give intentionally, not out of emotion. So don't always be responding out of emotion. It's great sometimes. We need to do that. We see a need and we need to respond to it. But this is saying, you know, give intentionally. Don't give out of emotion. Don't give out of guilt. And think about what you're going to give to and how you're going to use your resources and where they should go. Actually spend some time and intellectually think, prayerfully think, where should my resources be going? You know, here's another funny parenting story for you. Um, I have so many of these. <laughs> Such a great parent. <laughs> when, uh, when Caleb was first born, um, you know, when you have your first child, that sleep deprivation hits you like a freight train, like nothing you've ever experienced before. And you're like, what did I just do? And why did I do that? And uh, Caleb was probably about the same age as Chloe. is quite young, a couple months old. And I was home one day and there was a knock on the door. <laughs> and it's always bad when someone knocks on your door late afternoon because you know it's not somebody coming to visit. It's somebody wanting something from you. So I'm like, you know, the fatigue really hits you in the afternoon and I was a bit of a mess initially with the sleep deprivation and stuff and you know, this knock on the door and, you know, this lady is like, hey, how you doing? Just want to tell you about the whales, how you can save the whales. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how do I get rid of this woman? <laughs> Secretly, I'm like, I don't really care about whales. <laughs> so bad. Uh, <laughs> A friend who's a marine biologist would be horrid, <laughs> horrified by that. Um, and this woman, you know, goes into her spills and because it's really emotive, because they're great at giving you these emotive talks. Hey, I love, I, I just, it's probably an art form. You know, when you see these people in the shopping centers, I don't know about you, but I'm like, don't look, head down. <laughs> and then they try and sucker you in and make you feel like a bad person. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm busy. <laughs> But this lady, she gave me the sales pitch about whales and I don't know, she got me at a vulnerable moment. And (laughs) 
So I'm like, yeah, sure, I helped sail, you know, save the whales. Of course I want to save the whales, you know, because every nice person wants to save the whales. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. And <laughs> then all of a sudden I'm giving my credit card details and in my brain I'm like going, why am I doing this, you know, like why am I doing this? Anyway, so I saved the whales and apparently saving the whales requires a monthly transaction. So, you know, I, okay, off, off she goes. And then, you know, you think about this because, you know, it would be helpful to think in advance, but I funk, funk, thought afterwards. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. And then Brad walks through the door and I just like burst into tears. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I gave my credit card details and now we're saving the whales. And, <laughs> and if you know Brad, like he's very, you know, money conscious, you know, you've got to... <laughs> So, so I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. He's like, oh, where's the details? And so he calls him up and he cancels it all and rational Brad style and I'm just like a blubbering mess like, oh, I'm saving the whales. <laughs> so bad. Things you don't do in fatigue. So you need to think. We need to be intentional and not act out of, uh, not act out of uh, emotions or fatigue sometimes, you know, because the world is full of needs, you know. The whales need saving. The dolphins need saving. Everybody needs saving and, you know, there's endless needs in the world. But we need to be strategic about what we give our resources to and who we're generous to. So verse 7 also says, God loves a cheerful giver. And like I said before, God is interested in your heart over what you actually give. Think about what it's like to get a gift from someone who's kind of it's giving you something, but they don't really want to. You know, you can always tell when someone gives you something they don't really want to. They're like, I'll give you this. <laughs> this is terrible. Hey, I'm like that in our house with uh, the last piece of dessert or chocolate. <laughs> People are like, uh, are you going to eat that? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to eat that. <laughs> and I'm like, did you want some? Oh. <laughs> terrible. Don't get between me and chocolate. So I'm like, I'm begrudging when I give desserts, you know, the last bit of dessert. I'm like, yeah, come on, all right, have some. And, you know, they'll, they'll happily accept it in my house and I, my heart is rotten. I'm like, don't want to give this. But when you receive a gift from someone who's like, oh, I, I love giving gifts. I'm actually, you know, it's one of my things. I like to give gifts. I like to receive gifts. Just mental note to anyone. <laughs> love gifts. <laughs> Not till November, so you have to get in before then. Um, <laughs> that's too far away. Um, you know, when you get a gift from someone, it's just an amazing feeling when you know they're like, oh, I thought of you, I wanted to give you this. It makes you feel good, hey? Yeah, and God's the same. It's like he knows when our hearts are like, oh, yeah, okay, how, share this dessert with me. Or he knows when you're like, yeah, I want to bless somebody with this, yeah? All right, so verse 8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good works. So when we're generous in what we have and apply these biblical principles, God will always provide our needs, yeah? You know, when we were early into our marriage, um, you know, we thought we'll, we'll do a budget you know, because we wanted to get somewhere, you know, we were buying these older houses and doing a bit of work to them and trying to get back down to this side of the river and stuff. And so we were kind of conscious that we're working towards something and I thought, why not? I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to budget. And so, you know, Brad and I have always worked in kind of human services roles and human service roles aren't well-paying roles, are they? <laughs> 
people don't want to pay well for those sort of things. So we've never been high income earners, but we've always uh, been fine. So I did this budget and, you know, we've always chose um, to put God first in our employment over choosing um, maybe a career path that will rake in lots of money. So I sat down to do this budget and I put in the income. At least you'll laugh at this. <laughs> put in the income and then I start to put in the bills and the expenditures and stuff. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, and then you want to get to the point where you've got a disposable income because, you know, you're like, I want to have a life. I want to go out, you know, I want to do these things and stuff. And so, stay. and all of a sudden we're in the red. I'm like, how did we get in the red already? Like, this is depressing and stuff. <laughs> so, actually, and probably terrible, any um, finance person will think this is terrible, but I actually went, you know what, I'm going to scrap this thing because, you know, we, we are choosing to put God first in our lives. We are conscious of what we do with our money, but we'll always choose to invest into God's kingdom. We'll always choose to um, put God first in what we do, employment, in our spare time and stuff. And so I just kind of went, oh, I'm just going to push that to the side because in the physical sense, we cannot actually do what we want to do. And, you know, in the whole time we've been married, we have never gone without anything. You know, and we are conscious. I'm not saying we don't, we're not mindful of what we do with our money and we don't put money. But we have money in the bank, you know, for a rainy day. We have never not been able to do anything. We've been able to go on holidays. We've been able to have the disposable income to to give generously, to be able to do anything. We've never gone without. And that's, I think, the way God works. If you are willing to sow into his kingdom, if you are willing to be intentional about what you're doing and put him first, he will make sure that you have everything you need so that you can abound in every good work, yeah? So we know that we live in a wealthy country, and living in a wealthy country comes with responsibility to do something with that wealth and use it wisely. We shouldn't give out of emotion or guilt, but intentionally and cheerfully. And God will provide for all our needs, yeah? So then how do we decide what we give our money to? I love what Ewan shared, Pastor Ewan shared um, probably that, that other month when we were doing the How to Neighbor series and you talked about <coughs> giving 10% to God, our tithe, saving 10% either for a rainy day or for enjoyment, for a holiday, towards something fun, and then having 10% that you can be intentionally generous with, that you can sow into different things. Now, I thought that was great. I really, really, really like that. I think it's really hard sometimes and I think, you know, we're all in different seasons and that's not always possible to be able to have the finances to deviate to all those different things. For me, the first one is like without question, you know, the tithe, giving that 10% to God is just the most vital thing. But I'm not going to talk about that because Pastor Ewan's going to talk about that next week. Um, but if you sort of think about it in that 10% goes here, 10% goes there, 10% there, what that is doing is making you intentionally generous with what you do with your money because you're thinking about, okay, what money am I going to set aside to give into different things and what are the things that I'm willing to invest that hard-earned money into? So I think it's great application. Give God your first, save and enjoy your money because life is for living, yeah? It's not for being boring. And be intentionally generous with your money. 
So it's much easier to be cheerful in your giving if you've already got that money set aside or you've already got it planned that I'm going to give this. It's much easier to go, yeah, I can give into this and be happy about it rather than sort of going, oh, I really want to give into this, but, you know, I just don't have the money at the moment. Or if I give into this, then, you know, I'm going to go without this or I'm going to be strapped with money to pay my bills or this or that. But if you're actually putting that money aside and thinking through that, it's really easy to be cheerful because you're like, yeah, here, this is what I want to give. So being intentionally generous requires us to plan what we're doing with our money. You know, and I think there are times when God will challenge us to give beyond what we feel we can. And I think that that, that's not necessarily the norm, that sometimes that happens and we need to respond in faith to that. And in my experience, when I've done that, God has always came through. Because if God is saying to you, no, Ashley, I want you to give this, he will provide the resources. But I think that's outside the norm. And generally speaking, that intentional generosity, thinking it through, what am I going to put aside? What am I going to give? Because the world has endless needs. Oh, actually, sorry. So I want to do three filters that you can use in order to give your money to. So we know we're in a wealthy country. We know we've got a responsibility to give. We know we need to be intentional. We don't want to respond out of emotion or guilt or an obligation to give. We know that we put that money aside, we're going to be cheerful in our giving. But how do we filter and decide where that money goes? So here's three, three things that you can do to be intentional. Firstly, ask the relational question. Who will you commit to relationally? So God has strategically placed people around you and causes around you that he wants you to partner with, okay? So God will bring about things that you're interested in, that you're passionate with, that people that you're connected with, that he wants you to give to, yeah? Because the world does have endless needs and opportunities for you to give to. But it's a good idea to be connected, to invest not only your finances, but your prayers, your, um, your time into these things. And not, not be a distant thing like, yeah, I give money to that. But be connected, be committed to that thing. You know, God brings about people in your sphere of influence and that he wants you to partner with. So those people and those causes will be there and God will speak to you about those things. So the first one is um, relational. The second thing is will it make an eternal difference? So when you're thinking, what am I going to give my money to? Is it relational? Am I connected to those people? Do I care about it? Then will it make an eternal difference? Because not all giving is the same. We need to be giving to influence change in people's spiritual lives, in their eternal lives. You know, the whales, giving to the whales isn't going to make an eternal difference. Some people might say it does, but I don't think so. You know, there's this massive push in today's society for social justice, and social justice is a great thing. But um, I heard someone say that social justice without salvation is pointless to a certain extent. Because you can provide for people's needs, but ultimately, if they're not receiving Jesus, what eternal difference does that make? 
yeah, we need to help people, we need to feed people, we need to provide for um, practical needs. But if we don't have that God element with it, it's making no eternal difference. So we want to be investing our money into things that have eternal consequences, eternal difference. You know, Jesus, uh, I love what Tab preached last week. Jesus is the greatest gift that you can give to anyone, yeah? Salvation, freedom, hope, eternal life with God. That is the greatest thing that you can give to anyone. And if your resources have that internal perspective, am I going to commit to something that is going to help somebody find Jesus and find life and have eternal life, yeah? So the third thing is be guided by God. Ask the God question, God, where should I be investing my generosity to? Are we creating space to hear from God and what he wants us to give our money to? You know, he will be placing people around you, causes around you, and you just need to be listening to what God is saying, you know. Say, God, I've got this money. Where do you want me to place it? Where is it going to be best placed? So being intentional about giving is about putting some forethought into it. It's about planning Budgeting, although I'm not a great budgeter. (laughs) Praying and asking God to guide you where he wants you to invest into. You know, here at Oasis, just like the many other needs around the world, you're going to be given opportunity to give money into things, invest your money into areas of need because the world has endless need. And here at Oasis, you get opportunities. You know, we've got the miracle offering coming up next week. Um, which is really about creating space for us as a church to reach the community, about us broadening our influence in the community. We've got the Christmas pop-up shop coming up later in the year, which you're going to hear more about, and that's an opportunity to give in to something that's going to have an eternal perspective into people's lives and reach the community. Later in the year, we've got Serve Week coming up, another opportunity to give and to have an eternal aspect to it. You know, you can buy um, somebody right today a ticket to the women's conference, somebody that can't afford it. There's heaps of opportunity to give, but you need to be not giving out of emotion, not giving out of guilt because you're being asked to, but you need to be thinking about it, listening to God, praying about it, and asking God, where do you want me to direct my resources to? And most importantly, you need to want to give. You know, you need to have a heart that's like, yeah, God, I want to give this. 